Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and this is the show where I get to have conversations with incredible people like Brett Rivero on the intersection of sports and business. Brett is the founder of Legion Yoga. He's a former hockey player. He's also a mechanic. Got a couple different things going on here, so I'm excited to break down this conversation a little bit. Brett, how are you today? I'm fantastic, man. Thank you so much for having me on here. Pleasure brother is all mine. I'm so excited to get to talk to you about this stuff. I love yoga. I, I'm not going to sit here and say I do it every single day, but I absolutely stretch every single day. So I don't know if that counts, but I've absolutely, you know, I like those 10 minutes things, you know, I'll do them in a Peloton workout or something just to kind of loosen everything up. But before we get to that, Brett, the first, com- the first question I have for everybody on for the love of sports is why do you love sports so much? Uh, so for me, sports was actually an escape. You know, I came from a pretty difficult home. My father was actually, uh, my stepfather was a fighter in the NHL. Um, so, I mean, he, he raised me in, in the rink. And so that was my escape. That was my place to get out there and just be an animal uh, and really, you know, be all of what I could be and also be that compassionate teammate. And so that's, that's why I've always loved the game. That is fantastic, man. Yeah. The, uh, uh, Nicely put goon, I think, is a terminology people like to use every once in a while. For those gentlemen, those fourth liners that like to come off the bench and just uh, raise hell, I think. Uh, but I think you're a little bit better than that. I, I want to give you some credit, but shout out to your your stepdad uh, for doing what he's doing. And we, You need everybody. You need, everybody needs to be on the team. Everybody needs to know their place, do what they do best. And that's how we get it going. So, yeah, I mean, let's talk to me a little bit more about hockey. What was it about that sport in particular? As you said, it allowed you to be an animal, but... What was it? How did you kind of fall in love with the sport and make sure that it was something that you wanted to do for you know an extended period of time? So I was always really, really fast. Um, I've been fast on my feet, you know, since I was six years old. And my parents just threw me on some skates. And then once they threw me on some skates, you know, I realized there was total freedom here. I mean, you can you can be on the ice and you can do some of the coolest maneuvers that on on your feet you cannot do, like crossovers. Crossovers are so fun. You know, you can do an extreme amount of really fast crossovers and just throw somebody into the boards or take the puck away from somebody and, you know, juke out a goalie in two seconds. And so, uh, you know, I got into hockey very, very, very early and I just stuck with it, man. And it grew into a passion. It grew into a love, you know, because like I said, it gave me that ability to escape so no matter what else was going on. You know, this sport was always there for me. And not only was it a team sport, so I created some great friendships. But it was a sport where if I wanted to go out there and just let it all hang out, I could. You know, you got thrown in the penalty box, but you were also able to make amazing passes. I mean, do amazing moves. And so it combined both of those things. You know, it combined that that skill, um, the athletics, but it also combined that rage that, you know, I've always found to be so fun. Yeah, there's a hockey especially is one of those sports where it's it's, you know, football is very, you know, strength. And basketball is very finesse, but I feel like hockey is almost that perfect combination of both. You have to be strong. You got to know what the hell you're doing. You have to keep your head on a swivel, but you also have to have that finesse that you were talking about and, you know, crossing over and juking out those goalies. You say in two seconds, I'd say probably in 0.2 seconds, but you know, it is (laughs) what it is at that point. But so I guess where, where did you grow up and was hockey, was it, was it more ingrained from your stepfather or was this kind of a, a community aspect that you were able to grow up in with hockey? No, in Maryland, when I was, you know, growing up in hockey, it wasn't that big. But, you know, my stepfather, he ran an organization at the rink. And so I was just engulfed in it my whole life. And, you know, when I um, reached high school level, I played at a high school around uh, Annapolis, Maryland. And then I got the call to go to North Andover in Massachusetts. So when you go to Massachusetts at that age, I was 16, 17, it's 
it's the big show. I, I could it's the greatest thing when I showed up to my first game in prep school and I was given a full ride. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. They gave me a full ride. Um, and my first game, there were literally chicks lined up around the boards in bikini. And I was going, what, what place is this? Like, why, why are they doing that? They're like, Oh no, they all do that to distract you. Cause it was, we were at the away team and the fan, and there was tons of fans at a high school hockey game. And I'm just like, what world did I just enter into? <laughs> that is awesome. It sounds like a uh, football down in Texas. It's just like, it's, it runs the whole city. It runs the whole town. I mean, what, what is that? Like? I mean, you know, so, from a from a skill and competition level what was that like but then also as you said you know just this new kind of brand new culture that you're engulfed in as well how did you handle both of those aspects because i'm assuming as you said it wasn't you know if 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 the community in maryland isn't as into hockey obviously the skill level and the talent level is not going to be there so what was it like you know coming into this new arena where you're definitely not the best person anymore but also this entire weird culture where chicks line up in bikinis just to try and distract you at away games (laughs) what's what's going on man uh, so I enjoyed it because I've always thrived on that type of competition. So you put my back against the wall and something like that, and I just come out swinging. And so when I got there and there was a, amazing kids, um, I loved it. And the game just amplified for me. I was lucky to play against top tier teams around the world um, because my stepfather set up some amazing programs where, you know, even if I wasn't playing for his organization, he knew teams that were, you know, fantastic. So he would put me out there and be like, Hey, you need, you guys need to go play them. So I was used to that competition, but I wasn't able to fight in in prep school. And not that I was a big fighter, but I would definitely slash people. I would get people going. I mean, I love that stuff, man. And my first game I went to, you know, I got into an altercation and they, they kicked me out. And I was like, wait, what, what do you mean? Like, no, he, he did something. He, he tripped me. So I went to take him to the ground why am I kicked out? We don't do that here. And I went to the coach. I'm like, coach, what's up? And he's like, I told you, we don't do that shit here. Cut it out. <laughs> oh my gosh. And my dad was actually at this game. <laughs> and my dad came back and he's like, what happened? I'm like, man, they kicked me out for fighting. And they're like, come on, Brett, you're not a knucklehead, man. Get your shit together. <laughs> so that aspect was interesting, but it was a culture shock, a hundred percent, because everybody there was about hockey and it was all very, very wealthy people. And all of the students there were very well off. And that just wasn't me. So I teamed up with an amazing um, kid back then. He's a monster now, Tim Riccio. He's still in the game. You know, he still coaches and he still does strength training. And him and I just became best buddies. And we would go everywhere together. And we eventually made a lot of friends because we were on the hockey team and everybody looked up to him. That is awesome. And it kind of sounds, I, and, I, and I'm saying this in the nicest way possible, it kind of sounds like a Disney Channel movie, you know, kid from a left of background <laughs> comes into this, he's still really good and he has to learn the ways, you know, that's, I, I apologize if that comes off wrong, but for that some reason, cool. that's how I was playing in my head. But so I guess what, what was that like? How long did it take you to, to learn this new culture? How long did it take you to start to develop more friendships and understand again, coming from different backgrounds that many of these other kids, what was that like? What was that aspect like in trying to I don't know, not not be a different person, but understand who all these other people are and seeing how you could fit in, especially in high school, man. I mean, hormones are raging. It's just the weirdest four years of your life. Like, what was that like? Well, the cool thing was is that everybody likes the new kid. So when I went there, I went there as a junior. So everybody thought, oh, new hockey player. Oh, he's going to be amazing. He's the cool kid. So I, I had a shoe in. And and so that worked out well. But another thing, and I'll be totally upfront with you, is, is 
I am very good at playing the game. I am very good at acting however I need to act in any situation. Now, as I've grown older, I have changed that perspective and turned it towards a compassionate one. But when I was that age, that was my cover. I could be anybody in any room and everybody would be like, oh yeah, Brett's the man. He's so awesome. And really inside I'm going, fuck, I hope they don't figure this out. Like, I hope they don't see through this right now. I love it, man. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you had to do. I mean, it was more of a defense mechanism back then, right? As you said, now, I mean, I can, uh, I, I absolutely was the same thing, man. Like, I had multiple groups of friends, and I wasn't like a different person, but I could kind of maneuver within those friend groups. I understand what they want to talk about. I understand how they want to say things. I can go over there, and then I can kind of sometimes bleed between the two. But absolutely, in high school, you kind of had to. It was more of defense than anything, because again, everything was weird in high school as as many people say it's the four best years of your life it's also like the four weirdest years of your life not gonna not gonna lie about that one either and so i guess you know moving on with hockey how long were so so you came in as a junior junior senior year there what happened after your senior year in 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 hockey and and where did you try and take take your play um to make it to go to the next level so my junior year went really really well i did fantastic you know i i leveled up as a player um, and then it, it all really started to come to a close for me that next year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said, I, I grew up and it was a pretty rough go. So and my parents are amazing. I love all my parents, but you know, my, my parents would fight a lot. So when I was eight years old, I remember I'm, I'm sitting there playing Sonic the Hedgehog, man, like Sonic the Hedgehog was the game back then. I'm eight sitting there and I hear yelling and fighting, you know? So I'm listening to this yelling and fighting and I go down to the basement steps and I literally watch my mother. I'm seeing my mother and she rips out a wall. She, she rips out a wall in a fit of rage. And so as an eight year old kid, I'm sitting there and I just feel like, Oh my gosh, what's going on? And my stepfather came up to me and he said to me, Brett, you have to be the rock. You must be the rock for your mother. So as eight, I felt like, Oh shit, I'm not strong enough. I need to be stronger. So my whole life, from eight until 18, I put on the facade of strength. Mm-hmm. I made it seem like I was the strongest guy in any room. I would fight the quickest. I would drink the most. I would party the hardest. So right about that 17, 18 is when it broke. It's now. I was named captain. So you name me captain and I don't feel strong enough. I feel like a fraud. I was getting fantastic grades. And I went there and everybody looked up to me. So this amazing organization that put so much into me, I felt like I was a fraud. And I looked tremendous. I looked like a strong, tough guy. Everybody who saw me was like, man, Brett, I can't believe how well you're doing. You're doing so amazing. But inside, I remember I, I walked into, and I'm 18 years old, I walked into the coach's office and I said, man, I'm out. I'm done with this stuff. And the feeling of shame and guilt, the pain was so tremendous. But I knew that if I didn't do that, I was going to let everybody down. And because I didn't feel str- strong enough, I stopped. And so I had many opportunities after that, but I never was able to get back into it fully and be that person that I was. And, you know, I was told tremendous amount of times from many different people, but you, you had it all, like you were there, you were so close, but I didn't have the strength inside of me. I honestly didn't have it in my heart and I broke. Damn. That is intense i mean you literally as you said you made it to the top at that point or at least i mean in as we were talking about before it sounds like hockey in massachusetts is like football in texas you know it is it is what runs everything there and you you make it to the top you're at a prep school you're 
you get voted captain. I mean, that that is high <laughs> honors. Your team is willing to say, we want you to lead us. We think you're the bright person to do it. Um, and just kind of having that internal battle with yourself. I mean, how, how long did it take you to come to that conclusion that like, I feel like a fraud and I feel, cause you say you knew you were going to let people down, but again, only have, you know, speaking to you on the phone for about 20, 30 minutes the other day. And now, you know, getting to chat with you here, sounds like you were going to crush it either way. It doesn't sound like you were going to let everyone down, at least from, from an outsider's perspective, I guess, why did you feel that way? And how long did it take you to come to that conclusion of, I need to, you know, throw my hands up and walk away before I, I before I let anyone down. So there's no doubt now in my mind that I would have crushed it. I know I would have um, because I, I had fantastic skills. I had a heart that was very, very connected to my teammates. You know, I could feel their pain. I could work with them. I had excellent foot skills. I was fantastic. I had a really good shot. Um, I had great opportunities. Open doors were everywhere for me. But none of those mattered because inside of me, that real part of me wasn't there. It, it was it was a facade. It, it wasn't built on true strength. It was built on worry that I wasn't strong enough. And when you don't feel deserving, that creeps into you. So as you start to build into this amazing thing, the same amount of not being deserving starts to come up. And so at 17, when I was starting to crush it and really come up in the world, that's when I started to have those long, hard conversations of you're not deserving. Why are you here? You're not deserving. Why are you here? And then over the summer, because I wasn't there at school, it all cracked. Damn, that is that man. That is intense. Um, I guess what, how, how did your teammates feel about it? Did you just kind of abruptly leave and go back to Maryland? Like, what was that situation like? Because I'm sure a lot of people reached out and were like, Hey man, I think, you know, what are you doing? You, you, you I'm assuming you were also going to have college offers or juniors or scholarships. The hockey hockey is kind of confusing to me when it comes to that. But like, like I, I assume there was a whole nother level that, you know, you didn't even you know, t talk to me about that a little bit. So for sure. So I had definitely some junior offers. I definitely had college offers and everybody was super disappointed and sad, you know, but they, they actually were very kind about it. They were just like, you know, Hey, can you see what you are? Can you see what you have? And I just told them all the same thing. It's a gift and a curse. When I put something in my head, it's there. It doesn't change. And so when I want to do something, it's done. Um, you know, my father has a saying which he will walk through a field and put a match in it and burn it no matter what. And sadly enough, up until 28, that was my opinion of everything. Once it's done, it's done. And so, you know, my stepfather tried so hard. God bless him. He's an amazing man, you know, huge, huge, tough guy, but heart full of gold. He's like, Brett, you know, you can be so good. Like, I'm so proud of you. You can do so much, you know, stick with this, please. I mean, he tried so hard um, and uh, nothing would have worked because, you know, when something's in my head, that's it. And, and so it was, it was disappointing to say the least for people, but they were very supportive of, Hey, you know, we understand, we don't understand, but we love you and support you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously not too many people around you are, were in that position, uh, right? So you can't really understand what's happening, what's going through your head or what you're doing. But at least again, you said they were still loving. They were still supportive. It sounds like here's the confusing thing to me a little bit. If you, you were worried about letting people down, but then you quit which essentially let people down. Right. And now I'm not, you know, I'm just kind of curious, like what was going through 17, 18 year old Brett's head at the time? And it was like, I'm worried about letting people down. So I kind of want to let them down in my own way. Like what, like, I don't, I don't, again, I apologize if I'm kind of digging too deep into this, but what, what was going through your head at that time? And how are you kind of um, making that okay with yourself? If that makes sense. 
No, totally does. And I really appreciate you talking about this because I've taken a lot of time, you know, processing this and growing and it's been fantastic for me. Um, so (laughs) yeah, yeah. So if you take the steps to let everybody down and to burn the bridges, then it makes you feel better that they're not going to be disappointed in you. For if you try and you Mm -hmm. fail, if you try your hardest and you fail, you look like an asshole. Yep. That was my thought process. But if I don't even try and I just, I just blow it all up. They can't say anything because, because they don't know if I was ever good enough or not. And so that was my thought process. Okay. I'll quit this. I will totally shake and burn this down before I even get a chance to do it. And nobody can tell me whether I was good enough or not. Mm -hmm. That does make sense. That does make sense. When you put it that way. I mean, one thing about me is uh, growing up, especially like I hate losing. I hate Mm -hmm. letting people down. So if I quit, I can't say I lost, right? It's like, oh no, I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. It's like, I could see, you know, I was, you know, a yard away. I could see I was going to lose or I was, you know, whatever. But if I quit, then it's, ah, you know, it's on my terms. So I totally understand what you're saying there when it comes to that. And, you know, hey, 17 year olds, man, what are you going to do, right? The world's crazy (laughs) already, you know, shoot, we'll just throw that into the mix. And so after, after leaving hockey, you know, as you said, there was some opportunities to come back in, it sounds like, but you decided, you know, to stay away. You then went and became a mechanic, correct? Yeah. So, you know, when you have those emotions and those feelings, it, it, it doesn't just go away. So, you know, I started drinking a lot, you know, and I ended up um, finding uh, my father-in-law who let me work for him. And he's a really, really good dude. And he's a phenomenal mechanic. I mean, he's an engineer by all words of the sense. He never taught himself anything. He can fix anything you bring to him. And he does it all without any books or any electronics. He just looks at it and he can fix it. And so I started to learn from him, you know, so I, I had a great mentor as a mechanic, but at the same time, my inner world was for shit. You know, I was drinking way too much. Um, after a few years, I had, you know, three children from two different women and those women I was only relationships with for six months, a twin boys and, and a girl, you know, I, I started to rack up race cars thinking having a bunch of powerful cars would make me feel more powerful. Look at my car. It's so fast and loud. You know, your car sucks. I'm more powerful than you. Ha, I made it. I'm strong. You know? So I just kept on building these armors and these things that I thought were going to make me stronger. Um, and, and it didn't work. And, and, and from working with my father-in-law, I did gain a skill though. And I was good at it because I can take things from point A to point Z and find the shortest route to get there. And I'm very mechanical in that way. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm like an engineer in that fashion is I don't do this when I, when I repair things. And and for the most part, I was able to learn how to diagnose things. So if you have a skill of diagnosing something, you can put that into any modality. So if you can diagnose an electrical issue on a car, you can diagnose the emotions of a person. If you can diagnose why an engine has a certain noise and it's related to a certain mechanical function, you could diagnose why that person's knee is slightly tilted this way and it's actually due to the way that they walk on their foot. And so those skills built into me these things I didn't even know. And I got really good at it. And people would go, what, you would never went to school for this mechanic stuff. How do you know this? I'm like, I just know it, man. This is just what I know. And so I got really good and I ended up being a shop foreman at a dealership. And you know, shop foreman's at dealerships nowadays make six figures. You, you make tremendous amount of money. You work with a bunch of assholes because you're an asshole. So <laughs> you tell you, every mechanic thinks they're the best mechanic in the world. I don't know how the hell that works. You can't all be the best mechanic, but it was perfect for me. I had a bunch of shells and armor on. I was an asshole, but 
people really looked up to me. And so I was around an asshole, around a bunch of assholes, making a bunch of money, had a bunch of race cars, thought I made it. Well, <laughs> well, all right. Yeah, I mean, it, it is funny. So my dad uh, used to be a mechanic as well. And yeah, of course, he's the greatest mechanic that ever lived. Um, so no <laughs> questions about that. But no, I, I, I totally see what you're saying about that. And again, you know, just kind of putting an extra an extra layer of armor on every single time. So now I'm stronger because I have this. Now I'm stronger because I did that. And yeah, as you said, you kind of get to that point. And so with, with being able to diagnose, with being able to do... So the, the diagnosis part, I want to step on that for a second. Did you have to know that there was a problem to diagnose something? Or could you see that, hey, there's something going on here? So per- specifically for yourself, were you able to kind of notice like, I don't think there's a problem here, but I think there's something that we can fix. Like, how did how did that work internally? Or was that something you pretty much were just like, no, my car is awesome. I'm the greatest in the world. So, yeah. So when you're given a, a car to fix and it's a problem issue that no one else can fix, all you're given is symptoms. So mm-hmm. you're just given symptoms. Oh, it, it, it makes this strange lurching noise at this amount of mile per hour. Oh, well, sometimes when I do this, you know, the car hiccups. That's all you're given. So at 28, when I'm at the top of my game, I have everything that you're supposed to have. I also had, you know, two houses, a rental property. I'm fucking crushing it. I'm leaned over fixing a car like this and my hands got stuck and I couldn't move my hands. They didn't get stuck in anything. They just wouldn't move. And so I broke my spine. I, I literally, because I drank too much alcohol, I never stretched. I never took care of myself. I wasn't sleeping correctly. I had so much stress and negativity in my body. That just it just said that's enough, man. You're not going on this way. And so C5 and C6 went this way. They just went like that, and then it pinched the nerves. So there was no movement. There was no feeling. I knew something was wrong. Well, that's not obvious, right? Something's clearly wrong here. The underlying issues. That's what's hard to get to. So being able to diagnose that took a tremendous amount of time because that wasn't something that I wanted to face because I felt like I had everything. So I didn't want to face those underlying issues. So I was like, fuck it, just fix the body. Just fix the body, go back to work, man. Two weeks before that, my well, I'd say maybe a month before that, my wife took me to a yoga class. And, you know, I lifted weights. I was like, sure, whatever, I'll go to yoga class. Why not? And I went in there, there's a bunch of chicks in tight pants. I'm like, ah, whatever, I'll do this for you. I'll go for it. <laughs> and I did it. <laughs> and I did it. And afterwards, I was sweating profusely. And I was like, what? Why did I just do that? That was so hard. This is ridiculous. I'm never doing that again. I couldn't relate. I didn't like it because it pushed me. But not only did it push my body, it pushed my mind. It made me get to some places that I did not want to be. So after I broke my spine, there was something I had to do. Now, I knew there was something in yoga. I felt it, but I knew I wasn't going back into a room with a bunch of chicks. So I bought a really old yoga book, and I sat with myself every morning for two hours. And it sucked. It was so hard because there's no training manual. There's no map to this. There was nobody guiding me. So every morning I would do things that really, really worked and things that totally didn't work. One step forward, three steps back, one step forward, three steps back. But as I started to fix my body, something happened and my mind began to shift. And as my mind began to shift, I realized that that little kid that thought he wasn't strong enough, that wasn't strong was tremendously strong. And I realized that my stepfather didn't say, you need to be a rock because you're not strong enough. He was saying, you are a rock 
because you are strong enough and I see the strength that you have. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, man. And I mean, Jesus, that is some intense stuff right there. I think, you know, just the, the, it's, it's, um, I don't want to say this. I don't believe in coincidences. So the fact that you went to that yoga class a month before you broke your spine, uh, yeah, I don't think that was a coincidence that was supposed to happen in, in that fashion. And I guess with, you know, with doing something like that, and then you even saying like, I don't ever want to do this again, I can't relate, you know, it's just a bunch of girls in here. Why do why should I be here? Especially you're the you know, this strong man, you're this mechanic, you know, you got all these fast cars, of course, you're not gonna want like, no way you're gonna relate to that type of, type of thing. And you know, it's, it was very nice of you at least to go with your wife that that was cool. And I guess with breaking your spine was there I'm, I'm let's how did how did we fix that situation was there a surgery that was necessary mm -hmm. like at what point did you kind of understand your options did you immediately just go to the hospital talk to me a little bit more about that because we kind of you kind of skip over the break in the spot oh yeah i broke my spine and then i did all this <laughs> stuff well let's let's stop there for a second and let's let's unpack that a little bit more for sure so um my mom's friend is a is a, a specialist you know and, and so we went to him and when we went to him, they went ahead and they, they did the scan and everything. And they, you know, you could see the picture. It's pretty wild. I still have it somewhere. And he was like, okay, well, you know, all we can do is operate it on it. And there's a fusion that you can do, and then it'll be a lot better. And I'm like, no, like, I respect you, man. I respect the medical profession, but I'm not having you operate on my spine. Like something inside of me knew that, hey, no, I haven't been taking care of this thing, but that's not right. And so I went home and I just sat around for a little while and tried to figure out what the hell I was going to do. You know, I was just laying around and that's when it came to me was, let's try this book. And so I literally went on Amazon and got this super old textbook that has a thousand pages and these really old drawings, <laughs> but, but it worked. I mean, it was magic and, and I was able to pick out what I needed. So I respect the medical profession hundred percent and we definitely need to go to the doctor when certain things are really bad. But this was just one thing that, although I was given, you know, the diagnosis and told what I needed to do, something inside of me just knew that there, there's another way. Let's try to unwrap that and see where we can go with this. And so, you know, you tell this doctor, hey man, I respect it, but like, you know, it's a spine. You, you screw up anything in there. You're probably not walking. There's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. Spine, as we all know, is, is very, very important to this whole body thing that we have. So with that, I mean, how long did it take? As you said, you know, two hours every morning, you're, you're, you're doing something that works and then two, two things that don't. And you're kind of having this, you know, one, one step forward, three steps back, as you, you explained it before. How long did it take for you to, I mean, be able to do all like just start to feel better. How long did it take for you when you were doing yoga to eventually be like, okay, this is at least I don't it's it's not correct yet, obviously, but I can feel and understand like this is the way I should be moving. Does that make sense? For sure. So I would wake up every single morning and my hands would be numb. I couldn't feel my hands. And, you know, being a mechanic, that's not very good. Kind of necessary. <laughs> and, and so after six months, I'd be able to move my pinky and then I'd be able to move wait, wait, another. Wait, so you did yoga for six months before you could even see any like real legitimate process, uh, like progress. There is, there is no feeling in my hands when I would wake up and after six months I could feel my pinky and I would have a little bit of mobility in my shoulders. Mm -hmm. So, so what I was doing was not the easiest way, you know, oh. There's, I have it down to a path now where I, I literally take people within a month 
and they're going, I have lower back pain. Um, I have so much bad anxiety. I can't think straight. Uh, I have thoughts of just freight trains running through my head. You know, I wake up every morning and I feel so concave and to within one month going, why do I have no lower back pain? Why do I feel so good about my life? I have no more anxiety. And what is this? That's because I did all the hard work <laughs> and, and I'm grateful to have that skill and I'm grateful to be able to give that, but I can help people go from A to Z in one month because it took me pain and pain and time because I had to figure out the exact processes to get people to go from, I have X, Y, and Z, pain, agony. I can't move in the morning, anxiety to, wow, I feel so spacious, feel so light. The world is such a beautiful place and I have such a better thought process. So yeah, and, and, and you know, after six months, I was grateful for this. <laughs> Because I, I, I didn't, I didn't have that. <laughs> During those six months, I mean, you had to. I mean, like, were you, were you working? Were, like, what was going on that you were? Because how, how, so, well, hey, then how are you working if you can't feel your hands? Right, you're a mechanic. Horrible. Like, yeah. How, how did that, how did that work? And I guess, like, are people eventually just being like, dude, just get the surgery so you can, you know, you would have been done with rehab at this point and back to normal. Like, obviously, we're right. grateful that you didn't do that. But I mean, how, how often did that thought go through your head? How often are people telling you your wife, your, your father-in-law, who? what did he own you know you started there and then you moved on to a, a dealership so i apologize but yeah those that six months is a long time i mean we've all just been in quarantine for three months but like how yeah. how did you not eventually just come to the just be like all right like i tried it three months in that's a significant amount of time like all right mm -hmm. let's let's do the surgery now like how how did you have the brain power and the willpower to say no i'm really confident that this is going to work so there was just something inside of me. And like I said before, when I believe something, I stick to it no matter what. And it just kept on telling me that, man, it's going to get better. And yeah, my wife was like, we, you can't keep doing this to yourself. And I would go to work and by 930, I'd be mobile. I was walking around like this. I, I, I had no mobility in my shoulders, but my hands would be working. And I would come home and I would take an Epsom salt bath and then eat dinner with the family and then just lay in bed with an ice pack and a heat pack, a heat pack somewhere, ice pack somewhere else, a freaking back brace on, man. I look like a mummy. <laughs> that is impressive, man. I mean, kudos and congratulations to you. And and so now I think we can kind of lead, uh, go back to where we were, um, you know, about 15 minutes ago talking about, so you, you, after the six months, you can start moving your pinkies after a little while longer, you can start feeling yourself out a little bit more. At what point were you, I guess, deemed fully healthy or, or back to normal for lack of a better term? I don't know if I'll ever be back to normal, to be honest with you. I mean, what is normal? You know, like I can work out tremendously now. I have full range of mobility. I'm stronger than I've ever been. But I wouldn't call that normal because you can still see when I when I sit up straight, my shoulders still dips. You know? My shoulders still dips. And, and I'm okay with that. So normal, probably not. But after a year. After a year is when I was like, I'm on to something. And that's that point where it wasn't only my body, it was my mind too and my emotion. And I just remember I just I just was going through and doing my breath work one morning and I just started crying uncontrollably, just sobbing, just just like what what is going on? This is not me, I'm not this person. I just healed all the shit inside of me. I'm definitely doing way better. And it was all that stuff that I never, never let go of. And it was just releasing, man. It was just that connection between the body and the breath, getting to the mind, getting to the soul. And all that stuff started releasing. And, and that's when I knew, oh, this is what I'm meant to do. Oh, there's more to this than what I'm seeing. 
oh, there is something inside of me that is an abundance of power that can do anything. And I can share that with other people. I love that, man. I mean, I think it's, you know, I don't know if it's cliche, but mind, body and soul. I'm a true believer that all three of those things are pretty connected in some way, shape or form. And I think it's silly for people to think, well, you know, I have stress, so that isn't going to affect my body. It's like, actually, no, that it, chemically, we know how that actually does affect your body. It's like, oh, like my shoulder hurts, you know, I'm, I'm having, you know, anxiety. It's like, well, yeah, because you, all this stuff is really connected. And it's so crazy to me to think how people are, you know, they just think they're these three separate entities that have nothing to do with each other. And personally, I mean, I think the more I pay attention to each of these things, the better I get at all of them. They kind of all climb up that ladder together. So when when you figured that aspect out, when you kind of broke down, as you just said, and, you know, cried and just kind of let everything out, you figured out, it sounds like that, okay, there's something here. I understand it. When did you when did you decide to pursue that, I guess, more for lack of a better term, full time? And when did you decide like, hey, like, fixing cars is cool, but I still have this diagnosis and I could still, you know, that that side of your brain. Let me just take that, put it in another area. And now I'm going to, you know, completely change. And this is the third time you're kind of starting your life over, I guess. And, you know, so, so at, at this point, like, how did you decide, like, all right, this is, I think I can help more people this way. And I think I can impact the most people in a, in a positive way. How did you decide to say, you know, what, I'm going to put this mechanic life behind me and kind of move forward with this? So it was, it was definitely uh, interesting steps. You know, I went out to my garage one day and I had some very, very cool race cars. I mean, I had four cars that people would just now look at and they go, Whoa, what the hell? Why would you ever get rid of those? <laughs> and I walked out there and, uh, you know, my, my baby girl, she was two and she walked out there with me and then my wife walked out and I just looked at my wife and I said, that's it. She said, what do you mean? You're never getting rid of your cars. Like you love those things. It's like, no, that's it. They just, they don't do that. They don't do it for me anymore. This is a facade. I need to release this. And I literally had them all sold in two weeks. And, and you know, and, in the car game, <laughs> selling your shit that fast, it just yeah. doesn't happen. <laughs> so, so that was meant to be, you know, and then a few years later, I just, I just stopped drinking. I, I just, it didn't serve any purpose for me anymore. Um, you know, I used it and I know people use it in a way that relaxes them, helps them, but I was using it as a way to numb. And when I use it as a way to numb, I couldn't be who I truly was. So then I just stopped, stopped doing that. And then I started to really dive deeper into my emotional self and getting to that, as we call soul and getting to why am I here? What is my purpose? And as I started to realize, you know, what my purpose was, I actually watched a beautiful movie, The Legend of Bagger Vance. And so you've seen The Legend of Bagger Vance, right? It's about golf. I don't think I have, honestly. It's phenomenal. Matt Damon is a, is a golfer, goes off to war, sees a bunch of bad shit in the war, comes back, is during the depression. They ask him to play in a tournament, and uh, Will Smith becomes his caddy. Well, Will Smith is actually whatever you want to call your soul, God, something of this nature, whatever you want to call it. And he guides him through and shows him how the game of life correlates to the game of golf. And I'm not an avid golfer by any means. I've never been very efficient at it. But when I watched that, it just totally took me to that next level where I saw, hey, you're supposed to be helping people like he is. What are you doing right now? Are you doing your best impact? What are you doing to create a better world? Are you just out here to make money? Oh, you are. That has to change now. And so that put me on a process. I knew that I had to be certified. You know, you can't just go around saying, hey, I can help people. I'm a personal yeah, right. Zen coach. I'm amazing. Look at me. 
you have to be certified. So I started working at a yoga studio one day a month and a super nice studio actually owned by a woman lawyer who's a complete hard ass, but heart of gold. <laughs> she, they took me in and they were like, oh, this guy's a little rough, but we'll, we'll let him hang out. <laughs> former hockey player, former mechanics. Like, all right, yeah, this is yoga. It seems like the natural next step, right? <laughs> So yeah, so when I when I started working there, it took me a long, you know, I say long time, short time to me, it took me four months before I really started to feel comfortable. I always felt comfortable because I'm me, but I started to feel comfortable there like they accepted me. Mm -hmm. And it's because I was being my truest self. I was leading from the heart. There was no facades there. I, I entered into it very humble. You know, I knew what I had to give and I knew I was going to do amazing things. But I went in there with complete humility. So then I took teacher training. So I was doing teacher training, which is one weekend every month, still working a full-time job and still working at the studio one Saturday and raising a family, you know, with three children that live in my home. My wife has a full-time job. And I just knew it's what I was supposed to do. That's incredible, man. Kudos. Many people don't figure out what they're supposed to do. So Took you a couple tries, but you got there at least. I think that's, <laughs> that's the important that's part. Right. A couple, a couple things along the way, but those journeys are always the best. They have the most stories, right? That's that's kind of the fun part to it. So with that, I mean, I guess you know, going to that studio, as you said, feeling comfortable, having them accept you for who you are and what you're trying to do and how you're trying to help the world, which is probably very similar to the way they were doing it. What? What did you learn about yourself just in that period of time where you still have a full-time job, you're then working on the weekends you're, or once a month, and then you're also raising your family. You know, you don't probably see your wife that often because she also has that full-time job. You're also training to become a yoga instructor. I mean, you know, you, you were talking about the assholes at the mechanic shop before. Like, what did you tell them that you were training to be a yoga teacher? Because I, I assume there was some... There were some words that we don't probably want to use here that might be a little colorful that they were uh, saying to you. I mean, how how did you deal with that? It feels like you were kind of straddling the line between these two different breadths, if I may, and, and like kind of figuring out which way to go. It sounds like you were leaning, obviously, in one direction, but you were still kind of in between the two. How was that? Again, another internal struggle, another facade that you've been using that word a little bit throughout this conversation. How did you kind of have that internal debate with yourself? So I got fired as the shop foreman at the one dealership. I mean, and, and it was because I just told them straight up the one day is they wanted me to do something shady. And I just looked right at him and said, Oh, I, I don't care how much money I make. I'm not going to do anything. And I sat on my toolbox, <laughs> just sat on the thing. And then I got the call. Hey, Brent. And I came, went in there and I'm like, well, yeah, I know this is coming. Sorry. You know, we got to let you go. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, fine. So I went and got another job and that's when I really started that transition. And I went into that next job working at a dealership that was actually a lot bigger, you know, 30 guys in there, Mercedes dealership. And I, and I told them up front, this is what I'm about. And so I was pleasantly surprised. You know, there was a tremendous amount of guys in there that were just like, oh, really? That's pretty cool. That's weird, but that's kind of cool. Because, you know, I just was up front with them. Look, I want to help people. That's what I'm about. And this is how I think I can help people. And like, well, it's not for me, but that's pretty cool. And actually from that place, I still have some of my really, really good friends, you know, a good core group of eight guys that I talk to once every two weeks that are like, man, how are you doing? Like, how's your shit going? How's it, you know, and, I, and I, they keep up with me. And some of them have come to my classes, you know, some of them have come and done sessions with me, you know? And so it was really cool, but it, it also made me dig even deeper. Mm -hmm. Like, you really want this? 
are you sure you want this? This is hard. It's not easy. Do you want this? And the whole the whole thing was, yes, I, I have to do this. And the studio, you know, it, the home that they gave me really gave me strength because I would go in there and I'd just be honest with them, like, I don't know if this is worth it. This is so much work, you know? And every time they'd be like, no, we see what you're going to do. We see what you're going to do. Stick with it. Men need this. We see what you're going to do. Stick with it. And I did. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm very, very glad I did. And I'm grateful for that. That is, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it definitely takes some balls too, right? To go and, you know, it's, it's kind of, I guess, nice is the word that you were, you were, you were kind of allowed to leave essentially. That's, that's the way I think is a good way to put it. That, that old job, because if, you know, you have all those things that are ingrained and you have all these people and you have all these relationships, it's then hard to come out and tell people it's like, oh yeah. And Hey guys, I know, you know, me as, as this guy and this hard ass and I do all these things, but I'm going to be a yoga instructor. Now. <laughs> like They're probably going to laugh in your face. Be like that. What are you talking about? You're Brett. You don't do that. You're like the shop, you know? So it's, it's almost nice to kind of get that restart for lack of a better term, because you can, now you may have known some of those guys or something, but you didn't have that much of a, you know, Hey, we're together for 40 hours a week type of relationship. Now it's almost like starting over and being like, Hey, I'm Brett. I do this. And I also do this. Oh, that's kind of cool, Brett. It's good to meet you. Like, you know, we can develop a relationship from that point, not just kind of snapping your fingers. And, and to that, like, what were, what were all your, relationships with you know your kids your wife your your friends that you you had you still had i mean that is it's a big shift to go from again you know hardo mechanic that's all about racing cars and being a man to now not saying yoga isn't a manly thing i do it all the time i don't know what that says about me but like what like what was that kind of shift in personality it sounds like came with that a little bit how did those past relationships how was how were they affected positively negatively how long did it take people to really I don't know, again, accept you for like this new version of yourself. What, what were those relationships like? So it's really cool. I can, um, a, a really good thing is, so my best friend, Chad, you know, him and I've been together since I was 16. Uh, and he came to me one day, we went out to dinner, his wife, my wife, him, and he goes, no, seriously, man, you're, you're not going to build any more race cars. And I'm like, no, brother, I, I, no more cars. He's like, no, seriously. You're, you're, you're going to build more race cars, aren't you? And I was like, no, no, I, I'm really not. And I explained to him what I wanted to do. And he was like, oh, I get it. I can see that from you. You know, you've always had a huge heart. Mm-hmm. You really want to help people. You found a way to help people. And, and what was really beautiful about this whole transition is, is I could watch my mother heal. So I watched as I healed my mother here. I watched my sons be more loving and compassionate. You know, I watched all the relationships on the outside as I healed myself, my immediate family, my family to start to grow and be more compassionate. And so it, it, it was a, a thing that I'm very grateful for because to witness that, man, is not a lot of people get to witness that. And it, it wasn't me trying to change anyone. All I was trying to do was just be who I was. And by me being genuine to myself, it created a ripple effect in the pond. That's fantastic. I love that. And yeah, it's, it's very because if people can see that, you know, maybe they let their guard down a little bit and they start to accept a little bit more of who they are. Again, facade, that word you've been using a little bit. I think it's important. And so I guess at what point did you know that you, you know, you're at this new dealership, the Mercedes dealership? At what point do you kind of finally say like, all right, like, I don't need to do this anymore. I can, you know, I have my certification. You finished everything with the yoga studio. At what point were you able to kind of accept you know, not working just weekends anymore. Now this was going to be, you know, the full-time opportunity that you were going forward with. 
So I knew that at a dealership that it was going to be difficult and they work with me very well. I've been lucky to get along with every single management, except for when I got fired <laughs> at dealerships. I, they've, they've all just, I've had a great relationship with all of them. So when I went in there and said, Hey, I, I, I'm not going to come until nine 30. They said, sure. No problem. Hey, um, I can't work Saturday. Okay. No problem. And then I got to the point where I was like, I can't just keep asking them for stuff. It's not right. And so I knew I wanted to go down to only working four days a week only 30 hours. You know, I knew it, that that was the transition working at a dealership four days a week, only 30 hours. And then my, my time on Saturdays and whatever day I had off during the week would be devoted towards helping people and um, Sunday towards spending time with my family. And, and so I, I just, I went in and gave my two weeks and I found a, a, a job with an amazing gentleman at an independent European shop. So European specialist shop, he was a BMW expert for 15 years, opened his own shop. Amazing dude. It's only five minutes um, from my house. I could ride my bike there for goodness yeah. sakes. And go. he was like, you know, I met him. He's like, well, I've never had anybody work here. I don't know. But he's like, let's just give it a try. And then six months later, he's like, dude, this is the best decision I ever made. <laughs> How did they not keep you at the dealership? <laughs> I'm, like, oh. I'm like, hold on, man. You know, you know what I'm about. Like, I'm about transitioning to this next thing. And he's like, yeah, of course I do. I just really appreciate you being here. And um, I still work for him. We get along fantastic. And it's it's very nice because it's given me the ability to genuinely help people and not be like, I need money. I need money to do this. No, I, I don't need the money. It's not about the money. It's about creating the change. That's good. Good for you, man. I mean, finding a job like that is uh, is difficult for many people um, to find that like because most people are in that nine to five grind. You know, it's we call it nine to five, but it's really like seven to seven if we're being honest with ourselves when it comes yeah. to getting ready and commuting and, you know, finally getting home from work and, you know, all this stuff. I mean, my girlfriend works eight thirty to five thirty, but she'll leave the house at eight and sometimes she won't get home till eight because she goes to the gym and she does all that stuff. And essentially that's an entire day at that point. So it, you're, you're very, I'm, I'm grateful you were able to figure something like that out and, and develop that type of relationship. So as you said, you're still there now. So what with, with your journey through your life, with your journey through yoga, what have you found as you were saying before, you know, you're, you're, you're stretching. So your body feels better, but so does your mind. What did you find out about that aspect of yoga that really does, as you said, you know, you went through all those trials and tribulations for a year. So that way you can take someone from, you know, freight train running through their mind to feeling better about themselves. Where was that connection and, and where in yoga is that connection with the mind and body? So that way, when you are releasing that energy, when you're getting rid of that negativity and really breathing and doing what you need to do, you found that, I guess, sweet spot of understanding it, where that mind body connection is. So what I've found is when you take the body and the mind and you connect them with the bridge of the breath that that's where everything changes and so the movements i do like all these crazy cool yoga poses you see all these people doing that's not for me it's just can i do them yeah i can do most of them do i want to why i don't need to do them they're not for my ego they don't help me at all but what i can do and what i found helps people the most is by doing functional movements the lunges the warrior ones you know the very basic seems basic, but I can give you in a lunge, I can give you 15 cues in your body that will totally change the way you feel. And that's just me talking to you. You know, that's not me coming and helping you and adjusting you. But by connecting the breath, one movement, one breath, that's where you start to get into those deeper emotions. That's where you start to get into the mind because you need that bridge. As we breathe slower and more natural to a rhythm, 
our heart and our mind start to slow down. And we enter into that parasympathetic nervous system. If we can breathe from our diaphragm, we operate out of the vagus nerve. So we get that vagus nerve going. That's the largest nerve in our parasympathetic nervous system. And that is the opposite of fight or flight. And so when we get into there, as we're moving, it opens up not only our body, but also our emotions and our mind. And we get to peek into something deeper. That's beautiful. How long did that take for you to figure out all this stuff, especially if you're, you know, reading some of this through a, an old text, right? Um, you know, scroll, let's call it maybe, uh, you know, reading, you know, learning as an as instructor, learning through this yoga studio. At what point did, did this click for you to understand what you were doing and how you could then take your knowledge, your information, let it flow through you onto other people so that they can move forward with it? Uh, I'd say like right about that time when I was, you know, just sitting in a pose and just sitting there trying to breathe, crying. That's when I knew, and, you know, I just knew at that point, I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how you connect it. This is where I'm going. And how long does it normally take normally? I mean, it's obviously subjective, but what in your, in your expertise working with people, how long does it usually take? I feel like not everybody opens their mind like that if they're just breathing correctly and doing these poses, right? So how have you seen working with other people like how have you seen, you know, some of the, you know, again, some of these hard mechanics, maybe they're, they're working out with you. Like how long have you seen it take and, and how short have you seen it take for really people to open up? And as you said, sometimes it takes a month. I'm assuming it's taken longer and you've gotten much, much better over time. But what have you seen in that realm to actually see people and feel people open that mind up finally and let all these things that are connected be connected through the breath, as you've been saying? So, you know, whether you believe in energy or not, that's, it's totally everyone's preference. My opinion is energy is hundred percent real. If I go into a room and I start yelling at somebody, that person over there feels it tremendously. If I go in a room and I'm laughing and I'm joyous, the same person's going to feel it. And the waves that we emit are this energetic, you know, emotions or feelings. So this energy, it connects us all. And I can feel and I can give that energy. And so on Zoom, even on Zoom calls, because that's what I've had to do it on, I could talk to somebody for 20 minutes and then move with them for 20 minutes and they're there. Even people who say, I can't meditate. This is bullshit. I don't want to breathe like this. Why am I trying to do this? Come on, Brett, give me a break. You know, my one buddy, he, he rode you know, bikes his whole life. I mean, he, he, he has tatted up, you know, he's a street bike guy. Um, 40 minutes, you know, only 20 minutes the next time. Hey, Scotty, how you doing? You know, you want to hang out? Yeah, let's get on a call. Man, I'm really anxious. I'm really stressed. All right, just 20 minutes. Give me 20 minutes. Give him 20 minutes. And he's like, oh, man, man, I'm there, man. Like, I can't believe this. This is so good. Like, I feel so spacious. I feel so happy. I have such less anxiety. And, and so it's been with a whole bunch of different people uh, from around the world now. And just give me 40 minutes. And I, I put them there. That's incredible. And and so how, so you are the founder of Legion Yoga, as I said before, we really haven't talked about Legion too much. What exactly, when you, when you decided to do this on your own, it sounds like, where, what were the reasons behind it? Where's that entrepreneurial spirit coming from to allow you to say, I want to start my own thing. This is my practice. And then this is how I'm going to help people. So my father, um, I mean, my stepfather, he had his own, you know, organization through hockey. So he was always around people, always around kids, loved working, you know, always had this big, loud voice that he could project across the rink. And at the same time, he always, you know, worked for himself. But what I saw when he worked for himself was, is he worked eight o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, every single day. 
So then when I worked for my father-in-law, it was the same thing. So I knew that if I was going to do this, I was going to do this where I was going to have good balance with my family and still be able to help people. And when I get my mind to something and now it's in the right place with my heart, I just knew that, hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to help people. And so then I just went about trying to figure out how the best I could make change. So there's plenty of people that help women. Um, I'm very grateful for them that they help women. But there's a lack of men that come from my background, you know, hockey player, tough guy, mechanic that go out to other tough guys and say, I see you. Let's hang out. I see you want to do this with me. I see you. I challenge you to try to sit with yourself. And when they see that, they go, man, screw you. I can do that. It's easy. And so I knew I had a place to make the best impact there. And so I started Legion Yoga and to create a legion of Zendal badasses. And it's a brotherhood. You know, it's a union. It's a place where brothers come together. Yeah. See, and we, we come together and there's no, you know, we bullshit. We hang out, you know, we cut each other up. Um, but it's not out of ego, you know, it's about coming together and being honest. It's about coming together and, and just letting go of that armor. And, and you know, and in some of the conversations, you know, we, we just get down to the real stuff. And then afterwards we get to that place where you can be your clearest and your truest self. Congratulations, man. Sounds like you hit the jackpot. <laughs> Thank you. I love it, dude. And that, I, I think it's just such a cool cool way of going about it again this whole story just step by step i mean again hockey player to mechanic to now yoga instructor i'm sure someone's gone on that journey before but i don't think it's too too many people man and i think you know the way you've done it has been very interesting too and kind of to sustain these relationships and sustain yourself as a human being and really just be able to improve yourself along the way at each of these steps i think is very important and so how you know as you said you've been doing some of this stuff through zoom how can people anybody listening out there or or watching how can some of these people start to work with you so, yeah, you can go right on um, legionyoga.thinkific.com or if you want to just go to brett.rivero on Instagram and then you can go to my links and um, you can sign up for a session right there. I also have a free guide to Zen. So it's just a simple guide that you can take that, you know, it's not a huge thing, but you can follow the steps in there and can really create some space in your life to get to know yourself better. And, you know, just reach out to me through one of those. And, you know, if anybody's listening to this, dm me and i'll send you a special coupon that way you can get half off the first session that's awesome man that's awesome thank you for that i do appreciate it i'll make sure all of those links will be in the show notes everything there i'll make sure all your insta your your socials your your website everything's going to be in the show notes and again man i was i was very excited thank you again to jonah for putting us in contact i mean my three of my favorite things are breathing drinking water and stretching. Um, so I think, you know, we didn't talk too much about the water aspect, but I'm sure <laughs> you drink a lot of water with what you're doing. And I just think, you know, it's so, it's so crazy to me to think, you know, there's people out there and there's a significant amount of people out there that don't, don't, don't make that connection of my body hurts. It's like, well, yeah, you you know, this whole thing's connected, right? Your shoulder hurts. It might be coming from your leg, you know, your butt hurts. I can guarantee it's coming from your lower back and your leg. Like, it's almost like yeah. it's, all of this stuff's connected. So if you stretch it out and you let it, you know, kind of move around and, and become more fluid, it's going to feel better. I mean, I have super, super tight IT bands. So I stretch mm-hmm. every single day to make sure that, you know, my glutes and my my quads and my hamstrings and my calves, they're all loose. So that kind of loosens that up and that makes it feel much better. It's just crazy to me how people don't put one, one and one together to get to two. It's just... And hey, you know, hopefully this conversation is going to help a couple people out. But uh, Brett, man, I sincerely, sincerely appreciate your time today. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having on me. I had a really good time talking to you for sure, bro.
grateful for you coming on as you found out yoga is your favorite thing to do to help people this is my favorite thing to do to help people i'll spread your story hopefully people can learn from you so we have brett rivero founder of legion yoga former hockey player current mechanic all around good dude thank you brett i appreciate it all right man take it easy <laughs>